Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Walking in a winter wonderland. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. It's Buffalo. We all know what it's about. Yeah, that Buffalo driver sums things up pretty well. Many, particularly in upstate New York, awakening to the sickening sound of tree branches crackling under the weight of ice from hours of freezing rain. Tens of thousands losing power as those falling limbs took lines down with them. WYVB meteorologist Mike Saika says some might not be done with that freezing rain just yet either. We have a little bit more heading our way today, but at least it's going to be lighter. Not to say that it won't be noticeable because I think it's going to start out as some freezing rain, at least across northern areas. In Rochester, the slick roads were even too much for a salt truck, which skidded and overturned on Route 590 near Blossom Road. We've got a newly updated forecast from our meteorologist Kevin Williams just ahead. Of course, the listing area is just a small part of the country being impacted by this massive winter storm. Blizzard conditions caused more than 100 crashes across the state, prompting this warning from officials. Avoid travel the next few days. The February front stranded thousands of Americans at airports across the country. We've changed our flights three times and now this is going to be the fourth. Wind speeds hit up to 50 miles an hour in some parts of the country, knocking down trees and power lines. In Michigan, a Pawpaw volunteer firefighter died while responding to a downed line. Christina Raffini reporting. Elsewhere this day, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg in Beaver County visiting the site of the Pennsylvania border with East Palestine, Ohio, where a freight train that was carrying hazardous chemicals derailed earlier this month. Residents there not impressed that he's finally showing up. Why weren't they here right after the mushroom cloud that everybody has seen and we continue to see? We are in a Chernobyl environment here. Here's what Buttigieg, who lives just miles from East Palestine, has to say for himself after taking a lot of heat for staying away from the scene until now. I was uh, focused on just making sure that uh, our folks on the ground uh, were all set, but uh, could have spoken sooner about how strongly I felt uh, about this incident, and uh, that's a lesson learned for me. Former president and current presidential candidate Donald Trump visited East Palestine yesterday, and just out now, a preliminary report on what caused the toxic derailment in East Palestine. It suggests it might have been a wheel bearing failure. The NTSB report says surveillance video shows what appears to be a wheel bearing in the final stage of overheat failure just before the trains went off the track. President Biden says the U.S. will back Ukraine in their war with Russia for as long as it takes. However, growing questions in Congress about the price tag. We should get more of the NATO countries, uh, Germany and England and other folks to do more. Congressman Henry Cuellar sits on the House Appropriations Committee. The Texas Democrat plans to grill the Secretary of Defense about how the money is being spent. The proverbial gorilla in the room in Ukraine right now is Russia's not-so-veiled threats to resort to nuclear weapons in Ukraine, a concern heightened by Vladimir Putin's pullout from Russia's only nuclear treaty with the U.S., says Biden. Look, I think we're less safe when we walk away from arms control agreements that are very much in both parties' interest in the world's interest. The idea that somehow this means they're thinking of new, using nuclear weapons, international continental ballistic missiles, there's no evidence of that. Beyond the threat of Ukraine going nuclear, Washington also has growing concerns about China's 
growing role in aiding Russia's military aspirations as well as their own. Here's Biden's deputy press secretary. There will be consequences for China should this partnership with Russia uh, further deepen. It would certainly be a miscalculation of China to, to provide lethal aid to Russia. Wisconsin Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher just visited Taiwan, which many fear China is moving closer to invading. This no-limits partnership between China and Russia is a very real threat to our national security that Xi Jinping is turning Vladimir Putin into his junior partner. Gallagher says the U.S. needs to learn a lesson from Ukraine, which is to arm its threatened allies before the fact instead of trying to play catch-up afterwards. Lost in all of the superpower rhetoric, the tragedy that has befallen the children of Ukraine during the Russian invasion. Here's CBS's Charlie Daggett. Urban and nearby Bicha suffered from some of the worst of the heavy bombardments in the early days of the invasion. There are now only half as many students here as before, and now some are evacuees, like seven-year-old Sasha from Zaporizhia, under siege from Russian troops. My grandma says that any second they could capture you, tie you up, and subject you to electric shock. CBS's Charlie Daggett. Back on the States now, a Florida TV reporter is dead after being shot and killed while reporting at a homicide scene. The journalist reported for Spectrum News 13. Inside a home on another street, police found a woman and her nine-year-old daughter who had also been shot. The little girl later died from her injuries. No one in our community, um, not a mother, not a nine-year-old, and certainly not news professionals, should become the victim of gun violence in our community. Police have arrested 19-year-old Keith Melvin Moses, who they say is responsible for all the shootings. Christian Benavides reporting. A Texas school administrator in hot water after leaving a pistol behind in a school bathroom. The gun found in an elementary school bathroom by a third grader belonged to the superintendent. Robbie Studeville says he accidentally left it in a stall after using the restroom. The teacher of the third grader has also come under attack. She ordered the young boy and another student to confirm that it was a gun. The superintendent says he armed himself because of shootings that have taken place at other schools. CBS's Steve Futterman. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety is out with its new list of the safest cars on the road. There are big cars, small cars, pickups, and SUVs scattered among the Institute's top safety picks and even better top safety picks plus. President David Harkey says the list is dominated by Japanese brand products. The big winner this year was actually Toyota. They had a total of 15 awards. The standards are now tougher with a harsher side impact test and requirements for better pedestrian protection. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News, Detroit. All right, the Asbury Awakening. It's officially over with anyway. A two-week non-stop revival at a Christian college in Kentucky ending today with a campus-wide prayer event. Jenna Pelletier is a student who took part in the spontaneous worship service that drew global attention. I'm sad to see, you know, the expression of corporate worship come to a close and at the same time, like, if we believe this is revival, then we also believe that this goes yeah. beyond us. Even though the, the collective gathering is ending, it's 
it's not the end. In fact, the movement's now moving to other colleges nationwide, Texas A&M, Baylor, Cedarville, Samford, Eastern Kentucky, just a few schools that have started their own revival movements as a result of what happened at Asbury. Still to come on the noon report, the latest on that move to ban gas appliances in New York. State firefighters watching the state budget process very closely. We'll tell you why. And Pennsylvania's capital punishment debate goes on. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams tracking wide-ranging weather conditions across our region today from ice to spring warmth. I've got forecast details coming up in 10 minutes. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Now checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. On a day when many New Yorkers are without electric power due to an ice storm, New York's efforts at electrification to pursue climate change goals are getting a thumbs down from a state lawmaker in Livingston County. The amount of electric that's going to be required is going to overwhelm the grid. Republican Assemblywoman Marjorie Byrne says New Yorkers should have a choice as to how they want to heat their own homes. 60% of our homes in this area, which are older homes, are heated with natural gas. The governor wants to eliminate gas-based furnaces in all homes new and used by the start of the next decade. New York's volunteer fire companies will be among many groups closely watching the state budget process unfold in Albany. One hot topic, a portion of Governor Kathy Hochul's budget plan that would allow volunteer departments to pay recruits to help attract new members. Brockport Fire District spokesman tells WROC. Anything that the, the state can do to support the the volunteer fire service and the volunteer firefighters specifically, I think is a good thing. I think we have to look at it that today's youth, that we, there's many things that somebody can do coming out of high school and if this stipend will encourage them to choose us, then I think it's money well spent by the state. The governor wants $10 million invested in firefighter training, recruitment, and retention, primarily through stipends for trainees. Volunteers could also see a 10% property tax break as long as counties go along with it, and towns could be allowed to pay volunteers a limited wage. The parents of a New York firefighter who died at the State Fire Academy in Montour Falls are suing the state, saying it caused their son's death because of negligent acts. 21-year-old Peyton Morris of Watertown died at the academy in the spring of 2021, after suffering a medical emergency during a training exercise. The Broome County Sheriff's Department touting newly passed legislation aimed at easing chronic staffing shortages at the county jail. Sheriff Fred Ashgar says the new lateral transfer program will entitle some newly hired corrections officers to pocket a $5,000 sign-on bonus as an incentive. When I was elected, they say uh, this could not be done. Uh, there's no way that you can uh, write this shit when it comes to staffing. Uh, and I said very clearly where there is a will, uh, there is a way. Broome County Executive Jason Garner says the program's badly needed to draw new recruits to a very challenging job. It's already a high-pressure job when you're just working the normal hours that you're working. You're doing a 40-hour work week. I can't imagine what it's like when you have to pull a 50- or a 60-hour work week, which is what happens when you have all these vacancies. Akshar says since he took office, his office has hired 25 provisional recruits who will undergo training to help address the staffing crisis. Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon says a plan to shut down a prison in Jamesville will move forward despite resistance from the sheriff there, Toby Shelley. The proposal calls for the prison to be merged with the Onondaga County Justice Center in Syracuse. McMahon says he'd like to see the merger done by April 1st. Sheriff Shelley, though, says he won't move inmates until the State Commission of Corrections completes a feasibility study to see if the merger plan 
plan is truly safe. So far, that study has not even begun. New data from the Federal Highway Administration shows today's teens are in no rush to get a driver's license. Our age range used to be 16, 17 for the inaugural drivers. Uh, it's currently probably 18, 19. And I think it's just due to the fact that it's more expensive. Andrew Street with Stevens Driving School in Buffalo says inflation is a driving force in the decision by teens to hold off on the license. You can't be in school 16, 17, 18, like in high school, you know, full time and then still be getting a job that's going to pay for a ride and everything else. The number of 16-year-olds with driver's licenses has decreased 25% in the past two years. The Museum of American Comedy in southwestern New York will receive a National Humanities Group to expand its programming. We really try to put visitors in an environment where they can relax and relish in the nostalgia of the laughs that they've experienced over the course of a lifetime. The museum has opened two recent interactive exhibits honoring TV legends Carl Reiner and Johnny Carson. Pennsylvania, nearly a year after the state formally joined the multi-state carbon reduction compact known as the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, two lawmakers plan to introduce legislation to eliminate the regulation and prevent others like it. More from Family Life's Terry Diener. Republican State Representatives Jim Struzzi and Dallas Kephart said in a memo they want to eliminate the RGGI regulation and prevent future similar proposals from proceeding without legislative approval. The program, which former Democratic Governor Tom Wolf announced that Pennsylvania would join through an executive order in 2019 has been the subject of continued controversy with legal challenges questioning the governor's authority to join such an agreement without the consent of the General Assembly. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you, Terry. At the same time that Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro says he will not issue any death penalty orders on his watch, one state senator wants any adult convicted of killing a police officer to face a mandatory death penalty. Mark, anyone who is convicted of killing a cop in Pennsylvania would be subject to capital punishment if Senator Mike Regan gets his way. The state senator who represents Cumberland and York counties says being a law enforcement officer today is more dangerous than ever before. Regan says it's important now to show police officers that the public stands with them during what he calls one of the most violent periods in the Commonwealth's history. Regan himself is a former U.S. Marshal. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, thank you, Greg. A Philadelphia woman who filed a class action lawsuit against Hershey's is no longer pursuing the case. Denethia Durgin had initially filed suit in January, alleging Hershey products contained heavy metal contaminants such as cadmium and lead. She reportedly based her suit on a December Consumer Reports article that reportedly cited research that said some dark chocolate bars contain those heavy metals in trace amounts. A February 3rd Philadelphia County Court docket, though, shows Durgin has voluntarily dismissed that case. All right, now let's get a look at the world of sports. Here's Bob. College basketball news to start, Mark. The leading scorer on the second-ranked team in the country, Alabama's Brandon Miller, will continue to play for the Crimson Tide despite an ongoing police investigation that links him to a murder last month. Miller pumped in a game-high 41 last night, including the game-winner in OT to give Bama a two-point win over South Carolina. Miller to the rim. Miller with the left hand! 
So whatever off-the-court antics may be happening doesn't seem to be bothering Brandon Miller. Alabama's AD says Miller was cleared to play following some new information about the shooting. Other top 25 action last night saw 23rd-ranked UConn upset 18th-ranked Providence, Boston College upset 6th-ranked Virginia, and the top team in the nation, the Houston Cougars, rolled over Tulane. The NBA returns from its All-Star break tonight. The primetime matchup pits the Golden State Warriors against LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. The Lakers battling for a playoff spot. The Warriors' Steph Curry will be reevaluated next week. He hasn't played since early February due to a leg injury. League-best Boston Celtics also in action tonight in Indiana. Kevin Durant expected to make his debut with the Phoenix Suns next week. On the ice, the New York Islanders beat Winnipeg 2-1 last night. Simon Holstrom buried the game winner halfway through the final period. Isles head coach Lane Lambert. I thought tonight not only did we come up with the goal, but I thought we did a real good job defending in the third period much better than we did in the second period. I think that was the difference in the game. Two other games last night. Calgary beat the Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks won better than the Dallas Stars. 4-3, your final. At the Family Life Sports Desk, I'm Bob Price. Thank you, Bob. Still to come on the Noon Report, a recap of the day's top stories, including downed trees and power lines in a widespread ice storm, a preliminary report on what caused the East Palestine derailment, and just how happy are you with your life right now? Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. February the 6th marked the International Day of Zero Tolerance for Female Genital Mutilation. The World Health Organization estimates that more than 200 million women and girls across the globe have been subjected to this violent practice, which forcibly cuts or mutilates a woman's sexual organs as a so-called rite of passage. Not only is FGM a gross violation of human rights and the dignity of these girls, it's also incredibly dangerous. Diverse people groups practice FGM, including, unfortunately, a few remote tribes who identify as Christian. However, far more Christians have fought the practice than committed it, including missionaries, Christian aid organizations, and many local African Christian communities. These Christians are motivated by a biblical view of humanity, one that includes the inherent dignity of women and children. Nevertheless, one of the most common accusations against Christianity is that it is an oppressively patriarchal religion that either subjugates women or at least devalues them. This accusation is almost exclusively Western and modern. The very first Christians were actually criticized for teaching that women were equal in value to men. It was when Christians distorted the scriptures and used them as justification to devalue women that real harm was done. Still, just as the bad behavior of Christians does not disprove the truth claims of Christianity, neither does the sexism, misogyny, or even abuse committed by some Christian men prove that Christianity itself is sexist. In his new book, More Than a White Man's Religion, Why the Gospel Has Never Been Merely White, Male-Centered, or Just Another Religion, Christian apologist Abdu Murray confronts this accusation against Christianity head-on. He combs through the Bible, including verses that have been misinterpreted in the past as being demeaning to women, to demonstrate that women are consistently portrayed in Scripture as having full human dignity and are, in Christ, indispensable members of the kingdom of God. For the writers of scripture to specifically name and to honor women like Rahab and Ruth and Naomi and Deborah, as well as the women who served alongside Jesus and the apostles in the gospel accounts, was to make a radically bold statement, especially in an era of human history that more often erased women than included them. 
Solomon in Proverbs 1 says that wisdom cries aloud in the street, available to anyone willing to seek her, and that anyone who refuses, man or woman, will be in dread of disaster. In other words, the Bible not only invites women to know and serve God, thereby implying they're intellectually capable of doing so, it also radically dignifies women by commanding them to know and to serve God. That's why Christians have long fought for women's access to education. That's why Christians defend the human rights and dignity of women across the world today when others will not. Earlier this month, Biden administration agencies issued statements condemning female genital mutilation while not only defending, but also promoting the practice at home under the euphemism gender-affirming care. This kind of deadly confusion is only possible in a worldview without a coherent picture of the dignity of all people as they are made, male and female, by God. To learn more about how Christianity dignifies women, ask for a copy of Abdu Murray's new book, More Than a White Man's Religion, when you give a gift of any amount to the Colson Center this month. Just go to colsoncenter.org February. That's colsoncenter.org February. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Maria Baer. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. Breakpoint is made possible by generous gifts from listeners like you. You can support this daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth on our website, breakpoint.org slash radio. That's breakpoint.org slash radio. Across western and central New York, cloudy with a spot of light rain, ice, or snow. And temperatures ranging in the 30s to low 40s. Farther south in Pennsylvania, variably cloudy. Much warmer and breezy with a couple of rain showers and breaks of sun. Temperatures could reach as high as the low to mid 60s. It will then turn colder tonight and tomorrow with any rain showers changing to flurries. A little lake snow southeast of the lakes. Temperatures tonight drop into the 20s and 30s and fall tomorrow into the teens and 20s. And Saturday's cloudy with some flurries and a high temperature mid 20s to the middle 30s. All right, thank you. Thank you, Kevin Williams. It has certainly been an interesting morning in parts of the listening area weather-wise. I'm Mark Webster. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Thank you again for joining us. Recapping that top story, tens of thousands of people, no power in western New York due to last night's crippling ice storm. Ken Kajawa is with National Grid. For customers that have portable generators, please make sure that you operate those portable generators as far from your house as possible. Do not operate them in your garage. Do not operate them in your home. Good advice there. Power crews are scrambling to try to get the lights back on ahead of a cold snap coming our way Friday. It's all part of a massive winter storm that stretches all the way back to the West Coast. These Wisconsin folks are stuck in the middle of it, getting walloped by blizzard-like conditions, though they're pretty savvy there when it comes to coping with winter. Yeah, I'm not too crazy about this, no. Forced exercise? I have an all-wheel drive car now, and I drive very slowly, and if I see somebody coming up who doesn't understand the rules of the road, I get out of their way. We need more drivers like that out there. A preliminary report on that train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio is out. The investigators from the National Transportation Safety Board say they examined railroad equipment and track conditions to prepare their preliminary report on the train derailment. They also reviewed data from the signal system, surveillance cameras, and the locomotive's event recorder. They came to the conclusion a wheel bearing overheated, triggering the derailment. An alarm warning them of the potential for a fire went off and the train stopped in East Palestine and first responders were called in. Report says the NTSB's investigation is ongoing and moving forward will focus on the wheel set and bearing, the tank car design, as well as a review of the accident response. Transportation Board also says it'll be doing a review of Norfolk Southern's rail car inspection practices. I'm Brian Combs, News Radio 700 WLW.
All right, now to the international stage. The one-year mark in Russia's Ukrainian invasion hits us tomorrow. So where do things stand one year later? I don't think anybody has really a clear upper hand, but I think the Ukrainians have time on their side. Retired Lieutenant General and CBS News contributor H.R. McMaster on how further assistance from China may play a role. China is already supporting Russia's war-making machine. They're buying 60% more oil from Russia than they were before the renewed invasion of a year ago. So they're feeding uh, Putin's eight that he needs to keep the war going. The U.S. and NATO are now concerned that China could be preparing to supply Russia with weapons. CBS's Cammie McCormick reporting. A man in Florida accused of shooting and killing three people, including a TV reporter and a nine-year-old girl. Here's CBS's Manuel Bajorquez. I apologize. This a local TV journalist was overcome with emotion covering the murder of one of their own outside Orlando. 24-year-old Dylan Lyons was killed. I want to acknowledge what a horrible day this has been for our community and our media partners. The deadly rampage began near a crime scene where a woman was found shot in her car earlier in the day. Police say for unknown reasons, the suspect returned to the scene. Tragedy in Florida. Well, you might not realize there are employees of the United States Postal Service who work Sundays. Some do behind the scenes, others out delivering growing parcel requirements. But Gerald Groff of Pennsylvania asked to have Sundays off to honor his religious commitments. At first, supervisors said okay. Then they withdrew that accommodation. Groff says he was subjected to harassment and intimidation. He quit four years ago. Now, his lawsuit's been added to the U.S. Supreme Court docket. First Liberty Institute is arguing that religious discrimination violates the Constitution and federal law. Well, just how happy are you right now. The vast majority of Americans say they're satisfied with how their personal lives are going these days. Well, apparently that's not true, according to a new Gallup poll, which says 83% rate themselves as very or somewhat satisfied. The survey broke down into numerous categories, and a person's family life led all satisfaction ratings at 90%. Housing, work, and education were the next highest categories on the list. I'm Michael Kastner. All right, you're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Now to our Thursday Noon feature, Faith Under Fire. Our Greg Gillespie hosts our weekly exploration of public issues where Christ, Christians, and culture intersect. Our guest today is a return guest. Last week, we talked with Dr. Wayne Lewis of Houghton University. We appreciate that you have joined us again so that you could offer us perspectives on a different topic. Could we start with what happens during Black History Month that you see as helpful? It is helpful for us to have the opportunity to celebrate all of the African-Americans who have come before us and contributed so mightily to the building and the flourishing of our nation. Black history is American history, and it certainly shouldn't be confined only to being celebrated during the month of February. But February is a time when we have the opportunity to spotlight to to tell some stories that maybe we don't get the opportunity to tell throughout the rest of the year. At the same time, there are challenges in the way that races understand each other. What kind of things are happening Black History Month or year-round that actually work against the goals of those who are, are seeking equality and understanding? Yes, we celebrate the history of African Americans. I think it is important that we are um, honest in telling the story. 
to recognize that our nation, which I believe is the greatest nation that's ever been, has had challenges and has had moments of triumph. My own ancestors came to this country um, against their will as slaves, that, that my grandparents lived through Jim Crow and segregation in, in the American South. My own parents were born into and lived as children in a segregated society in the U.S. South. It's important that we don't forget those aspects of our history. It is just as important that we're clear about how far our nation has come and that the ideals that our nation was founded on continue to be perfected in the life of our nation. I don't know that we will ever reach the place societally where we can say we have um, reached the pinnacle, we have reached the point where there is no more racism, where there is no more discrimination. I suspect that there will always be work to do. But personally, I find it incredibly important as an African-American to both recognize the challenges and the, the colorful history that we have had, as well as the triumphs and the reality of where we are, um, recognizing that, that as, as a father of a young girl, as I talk to her and teach her about American history and the history of African Americans, that there are some painful lessons at age eight that she's learning and she's trying to wrap her head around. That will be a challenge, I think, for all of our children, whether white, African-American, Latino. But that's, that's difficult for young people to understand. But to do that in such a way that she understands that the school and the community and the society and the church that she's growing up in today is not the same society that she's reading about and that her mother and I are teaching her about. I don't think we hear a lot in at least the overall cultural things of how far we've come from 60 years ago or 30 years ago, celebrating those accomplishments at the same time we talk about the problems that to some level or other still exist. I think both are incredibly important. Um, and, and, and I will tell you, as an American, I'm so hopeful. As a Christian, I am incredibly hopeful. I I see the hand of God at work from our nation's founding throughout our trials, throughout our challenges, and in our triumphs. And I see God at, at work in today's challenges and in our societal conflict, even amidst our tension in our communities and on our campuses. And I have every reason to believe that God will continue to move us through even these challenging times. Our guest, Wayne Lewis, is the president of Houghton University in Houghton, New York. Thanks for listening. I'm Greg Gillespie. Thank you, Greg. Faith Under Fire airs Thursdays during the Noon Report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just ahead, giving up something for Lent, we've got a list of people's top vices to abandon. Here's a hint for number one. 
Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life Regional weather forecast. A weather front bisects our region south of the front. Feels like spring. North of the front, it's been icy and conditions will change little this afternoon. But the Arctic air will win out and everybody gets colder and a little flaky at times tonight and tomorrow. Here's our call for this afternoon. Again, wide ranging conditions across western and central New York cloudy with a spot of light rain, ice or snow and temperatures ranging in the 30s to low 40s. But farther south in Pennsylvania, variably cloudy, much warmer and breezy with a couple of rain showers and breaks of sun. Temperatures could reach as high as the low to mid 60s and parts of western and central Pennsylvania. It will then turn colder tonight and tomorrow with any rain showers changing to flurries, a little lake snow southeast of the lakes. Temperatures tonight drop into the 20s and 30s and fall tomorrow into the teens and 20s. And Saturday's cloudy with some flurries and a high temperature mid-20s to the middle 30s. All right, complicated stuff. Thank you very much for tracking it, Kevin Williams. Finally, at noon, did you give up something for Lent? The top choice of what Twitter users are giving up for Lent is Twitter. The website openbible.info reviewed nearly 9,000 tweets this week and reported 439 tweets about giving up Twitter itself. Alcohol finished second with 352 tweets, followed closely behind by social networking in general with 329 tweets. Food ranked as the top category, more than 1,300 tweets, followed by technology, just under 1,000, giving up smoking, drugs, or alcohol, ranked third in those categories. Well, just remember the real reason for the season. That's the world we live in for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. As always, we thank you for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.